how to get over yourself and play for something big with Trip Lanier, the author of This Book Will Make You Dangerous, The Irreverent Guide for Men Who Refuse to Settle. Here on episode number 150 of the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. This is what I, th- I see this as a problem with us as, as we become more and more independent in the world. We cut ourselves off. We see ourselves as separate. And I, I think there's a, there's a point of diminishing returns there when we don't understand that we're also part of something larger than ourselves and that we can tap into that. But that's a practice. We have to learn how to, how to, how to lean into those things, talk to people, talk to friends. Hi, this is Susan O'Million. I'm the author of the Thriver Zone series of books that help women who've been abused live well as their best revenge. More about my work and the books are at my website, thriverzone.com. You're connecting with Dr. Brad Miller on the Beyond Adversity podcast, helping you to navigate adversity to achieve peace of mind. Hello, good people. Welcome to Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. Here we help you to navigate adverse conditions in your life, uh, depression or divorce or disease or maybe being a debt or a death in the family, and to come out to a better place, a place we like to call a place of peace, prosperity, and purpose. At our website, drbradmiller.com, we've got a free gift for you there and lots of back episodes of the podcast. We've, we have 150 episodes now that can help speak into your life on many, 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 many matters. We have experts, we have authors, we have doctors, we have health-related people, we have people who can help you to with business-related issues and issues with the mind and the soul as well. We have a great author guest with us today, and he's a podcaster as well. His name is Trip Lanier. He blogs at triplanier.com. He is the author of This Book Will Make You Dangerous, the irreverent guide for men who refuse to settle. And then he also has the, the podcast, The New Man Podcast. It's about getting over being a, uh, be, beyond a macho jerk and the new age wimp. He helps people. He is a coach that helps people to navigate small steps that can make big changes. He has been a coach to many, many people to help them to succeed, including uh, former Navy, Navy SEALs and other people who are in the military another professional and, and high-performance people. He's all about helping people get out of the rat race, become an authority in their field, and make a great living doing the work they were put in this earth to do. On his podcast, for instance, he has been able to ask great questions of such guests as Tim Ferriss, Laird Hamilton, Ryan Holiday, and Alan Alda, the actor, as well as Stephen Pressfield, the author. He also considers himself a human guinea pig, where he has experimented on his own life with meditation and other things regarding intensive Zen practices. He even spent some time backstage with the rock star David Lee Roth. He comes also out of the area of the production of digital videos to art and philosophy as well. You're going to love this interview. Fascinating interview. One of the more fascinating interviews I have done here on Beyond Adversity. Once you listen carefully, look for the clues, look for the teaching moments that are going to help you to navigate things as well. And it's all about uh, helping you just kind of deal with your situation, get better, play for something big, and that knowing that you can do it, becoming a new man. So let's get into our conversation with Trip Lanier. Right now. 
Trip Lanier is the author of this book, Will Make You Dangerous, and he also publishes the New Man Podcast, which is all about learning to take small steps to make big changes in your life. And the subheading, which I'm going to love to get into uh, with for his book, is The Irreverent Guide for Men Who Refuse to Settle. So we're going to talk about refusing to settle here. But uh, Tripp, welcome to our, our podcast today. Thanks, Brad. I appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. It is uh, great to have you with us, and you've got an intriguing title of your book, and I've looked through it. And uh, although it uh, says it's a guide for men, I think men and women can get some good things out of this by refusing to settle. But I'm really interested in your story, my man, about uh, what are some things that you refuse to settle about? What were some adversity you may have faced? And just tell a little bit your story about how you came to write this book. Uh, how did I come to write this book? Uh, I went through a, a pretty uh, dramatic period in my 20s where I had created so much of what I set out to do. I was very fortunate in that regard. And then uh, came to a realization that this wasn't what it was going to be. You know, I was asking these questions like, now what? Is this really it? Is this what the big, the big thing was? And so I realized that being chasing more creature comforts, trying to just go after more money or trying to be more important or more significant wasn't really making me happier. I didn't, I, I couldn't put it into those terms at the time, but I just felt like something was definitely missing. And so that going from that process of questioning the life that I was living at that time to creating a, another version of that and aligning the work, aligning my relationships, I, you know, I was hiding out essentially. I was, I was in the closet, so to speak, about so much of the beliefs that I had or the values that I had or what the work that I really wanted to do. And so I was playing a role in order to be successful. I was playing a role in order to maintain my relationship. And uh, it was not very fulfilling. It was, it was very, um, yeah, it was a drag. It, it felt like a trap. It felt, like it felt very draining. Um, and so I just said, enough. I don't want to settle for this. The process from that point forward is, has been you know, it's kind of unraveled in this book or what I talk about in this book. But this book is essentially what I wish I could have read 20-something years ago, where okay. it's, a, it's got a sense of humor. It's irreverent, but it's also got some deep, meaningful pieces in there as well. Yeah, well, in that process, you mentioned a number of things you were searching for and, you know, thought you'd accomplish some great things, which I'm sure you did in, in some, in many regards of what people would consider to be successful. But was there a kind of defining moment, an event, a person, something that happened that was really kind of flipped the switch for you that said, okay, that's it. I got to do something different here now. I don't know if there was so much a, a switch or a moment, but it was just recognizing there's just more to life than feeling lost or stuck or drained or essentially playing it safe. That was, the, that was what I realized was happening for me at the time that I was orienting my life around what do I do so that I'm not uncomfortable? What do I do so that I don't feel at risk, that I don't put my time or energy and money at risk? And what do I do so that I don't look like a moron? I find that when most people talk to me about, hey, I want to have a, a life purpose and I, I, I want to find my purpose, and we've already got one. And typically, most of the time, if we were to look at the purpose behind all of our actions day to day, it's not very romantic. It's not very important. It's not usually what we want to see about ourselves. But essentially, we're just going through our day asking ourselves, what do I do so that I'm not uncomfortable? What do I do so that I don't waste my time or energy or money? And what do I do so that I don't 
so that people don't criticize me or call me out. A big theme of your book is this tension between avoiding things, avoiding things that bring stress in our life and choosing to confront them. And what are some of the ways that you think either you or you advise folks to take some bold action in their life in order to break through this this, uh, sense of complacency that you describe? First and foremost, we're really unconscious I, I say myself, and I say most of the people that I work with on a daily basis in my coaching practice, and these are people that we may see from the outside. We look at them and we say, wow, that, that person's really got their stuff together. They've, they've done some, some amazing things. But in their own life, they, don't, they recognize they're not at their edge or they're, they're playing it safe in some way. So the, the idea of com- just being able to compare yourself to others and being like, well, I'm making more money than that person, or I'm you know, I've got greater status than this other thing, or I'm better than my brother, or I'm farther along than my father was at this point. Those are lousy indicators. First and foremost, we're just lousy at, at being able to figure out what's actually dangerous in our lives. We've evolved to the point where what feels dangerous these days is, I don't know where the remote control is. I don't know where yeah. <laughs> I don't have to get off my butt and change the channel. Like, oh no, the Wi-Fi's down. Like, yeah. how, that's just what. How first, lucky are we? First world problems that some of us who have been in third world countries uh, <laughs> sometimes identify that type type of thing as. Yeah, and I I love it. Like, how fortunate are we to, that this is for most of us? These are these are the types of things that start to stress us out. Now, is that really the big deal that I'm dealing with, that I'm working with with people? No, it's not. Helps us see a mindset is using success as a way to avoid discomfort once and for all. Using, using success as a means to escape some kind of financial uncertainty once and for all. Um, and same thing with status, once and for all. There's this trap that I'm going to find this finish line and I'll be done once and for all. And I, I think that approach is what's making us weak. We're not getting stronger. If we look at, look at the, the lives of our grandparents and their grandparents before them, the amount of adversity that they faced on a daily basis, not just a, a big moment or a big event, but the, the amount of things that they had to deal with, they normalized it. They adapted to it. And we're adapting to a very soft world. And I, I'm not a person. I love my comfort. I love all the nice things that I have in my world. But I understand that it's a trap. To, to believe that seeking more comfort and seeking more safety and seeking more status is going to help me feel X once and for all. I think that's a, you're making some great points there. And I noticed one of the chapters in your book is success making us weak. And I think this is where a lot of people want to try to come out of things and say, how, what can I make me stronger, better, faster, this type of thing. And then a roadblock, an adversity, a problem will happen, such as the common thing of this COVID virus, which has literally impacted the entire world and made everyone to adjust. Some people have adjusted better than others. Many people, I think, who were used to these creature comforts maybe haven't as well as some others. But it, all of us are going to hit these blocks, aren't we? All of us are going to hit some sort of a roadblock or some sort of a problem that happens. And if we're not prepared for it, it can really devastate us. And some of the stuff we can't really prepare ourselves for. Of I, you know, when we, when we, if you think about the things that we're complaining about today, at the end, you know, this afternoon we could get a terrible phone call right? Or next week we could get a terrible diagnosis and we would want to have today's problems, right? We would Mm -hmm. gladly trade whatever's making us miserable today for to get out of what what may happen later this afternoon or, or next week, right? So it's about putting these things in perspective. I think this is the importance of a gratitude practice is to come back and start to train our minds to look for the things that are going well. It's not about sticking our head in the sand about 
in avoiding what isn't going well, but it's like, yeah, some things could be improved, but gosh, look at how well th- some things are going and, and being able to appreciate that the things that are rocking my shoe right now are, are they're wonderful problems to have. And yes. I think it also prepares us to see that what is truly a challenge in our lives that we can find that, that, that intestinal fortitude and, and remember just how strong we are because most of us are, are because we don't face adversity, we don't challenge ourselves on a regular basis that if our lives are back to this purpose of avoiding things, I call it a prey mentality, we're constantly avoiding things, then we never get to test ourselves and realize, you know what, I can go through this. I've trained for this. I, I put myself into situations and I challenge myself. I can call on things that are bigger than myself in order to help me go through that. If life is just about avoiding things and running away from things, then inevitably we, we become more and more fragile. You mentioned about calling on something bigger than yourself and gratitude practices and things of that nature. I'm a believer that uh, when we have these adversities come our way, and it could be the gradual thing that you're talking about, or it can be uh, a major, like I've got a phone call a couple weeks ago that my personal secretary was killed in a car crash and that rocked my world. Mm. You know, all that took our breath away yeah. uh, for the people who worked w- with her uh, woman, just totally unexpected. But uh, what I'm getting at here is you said that you can try to draw on these, this inner strength, but there's gotta be a source of that. I'm just curious, how do you find that inner strength? Uh, what is, uh, I believe there's a source of power. There's a, you go someplace greater than yourself. Do you go deep within yourself? Do you read good books? Do you have meditation practices? What are some ways that you look to gain the source of power or strength to make these uh, changes? I think this is, it's a practice. It's a practice. And, and, I, and I encourage anybody and everybody to find what works for you. Just because it works for somebody else doesn't mean it's going to work for you. So I, let, let's, turn, let's turn the stones over. Let's see. Let's see if XYZ works for you and understand that there are no immediate, we, we can't expect immediate results for things. So I'm a, I'm a proponent, like whatever gets you down the river, I'm going to support you in that. Whatever has you feel more expansive, more loving, more free, more connected to others, I'm all for it. And, and so from that regard, it helps us to tap into that inner sense of knowing and inner sense of authority, not as something that sees ourselves as separate from others, as some, but as something that, that is bigger than ourselves. This is where I, th- I see this as a problem with us as, as we become more and more independent in the world, we cut ourselves off, we see ourselves as separate. I, I think there's a, there's a point of diminishing returns there when we don't understand that we're also part of something larger than ourselves and that we can tap into that. But that's a practice. We have to learn how to, how to, how to lean into those things, talk to people, talk to friends, be able to access different parts of ourselves that are bigger than our fears. Most of the time when I'm working with a client, the worst fear that they have is anticipating the, the event. But then once they're in it, they realize they've got a resource of tools and strength that they didn't, re- that they didn't, access, that they didn't have access to before. And then also it's just a place where you call on people that you love and that have your back and to build that kind of support in that community. And if it works for you and it works for your philosophy, then there's something even larger than that. You think of calling on what you're talking about here. Do you think there's a spiritual element involved or something of that uh, framework? I think that it would be silly to cut ourselves off from something that is larger than ourselves, right? The mystery of all that is. To, to negate that and to, and to just close the door on that seems silly. That's my personal opinion. Right. Uh, to, to be able to name what that is, I, I'm not in the position to do that. 
but to but to to be open to that and to be curious to that then yes i'm fully open and, and curious about that question and one of the uh, aspects i comes to mind some of the reading and some of the writing i've done is what the concept trip sometimes called the third person which is the third person you know is basically if you and i are having a conversation i'm one person you're the other person but if there's some sort of a synergy or relationship built that is almost a an entity in some ways in and of itself we build something new here and i take what i'm taking about when you say that you want to make yourself dangerous or this book will make you dangerous it's about uh, finding some places to go within ourselves in order to build meaningful uh, relationships with others and for ourselves i'd like to go here to relationships now a little bit with you trip like personal relationships uh, intimate relationships in terms of our spouse or children or other meaningful persons in our life what is the role of meaningful relationships, loving, caring, deep emotional relationships, helping us to become dangerous, as you would say, or to get through this process. Let's frame what dangerous is, right? We've been throwing that word around. Yes, so let's most that. of us, most of us, if we're going through life, we can seemingly have it all. We can look at our lives and we go, gosh, I got the house and I got the car and I got the job and I got the husband, and I got the wife, I got the kids, I got all this kind of stuff. But my experience, hmm, what am I actually feeling? I, I might be feeling trapped. Like I've got nowhere to go. There's, this is it. I've reached a glass ceiling. I might be feeling drained, like, oh, same thing every day. I might be feeling, even though there's lots of people in my life, I might feel isolated that I can't share the things that are important to me. I can't talk about my deep beliefs or my emotions or, or whatever that might be. Or I might just be lacking peace of mind in some way. I might just be chronically bored or in a, in a perpetual state of overwhelm. So why is that important? Because those are usually indicators that we are playing it safe. We're confining ourselves. We may want to blame this or that or whatever, but I'm a big proponent of taking full responsibility for our experience. And so if we're tired of feeling trapped, if we're filing, tired of feeling drained or isolated or bored or overwhelmed, then it's a, it's real, it's a wonderful place to start to say, I'm 100% responsible for that. So I want the opposite of that. I want to feel free. I want to feel alive. I want to feel deep connection, deep love. I want to feel peace of mind. That's, so what am I going to do about that? And part of that question can mean, what am, I going to ask, what am I going to ask of something larger than myself? But ultimately, it's up to me. I can only point the finger so much and, and blame the outside world so much. And so I want to start from that place. When we're playing it safe, we, those are the indicators that we're playing it safe, that we feel trapped or drained or isolated sure. or bored or overwhelmed. So when it comes back to relationships, most of the time, we can be stuck in relationships. We can feel alone in our relationships. We can feel like they, they don't go very deep. And most of the times, because we're playing it safe, like I said, it, we're unwilling to ask deeper questions. We're unwilling to share something that is true about us. Here's what I deeply care about. Here's what's a big concern. But here's something I'm wondering about. Here's something I, I'm scared of. We, we're afraid to open those doors and reveal who we truly are. But without that accessibility, we're not going to have that connection. And, and without that connection, then the relationships are, they're not meaningful. They're not satisfying. They're not fulfilling. Yeah, so the dangerous part is being vulnerable enough with someone else to go to some of those deeper places, be a truth teller and a truth listener in that process as well. And that goes, that's by nature uncomfortable. And you're, you're saying our, our go-to thing for most of us is comfort, right? You know? 
Uh, I don't want to look and I don't want to look weird. You're going to think I'm weird if I bring yeah. this up. Woo woo right. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I know that's a big part yeah. of what you write in your book is this sense of being ridiculed and things like that. And so, so let's go there for, for a little bit. I know that you talk about in your book about not only being bold, but to expect resistance. Tell me about resistance in terms of how you characterize it both inner world resistance, which is there, or maybe even external, you know, that it does happen when someone says that, I, you know, I want to go on a retreat for a few days, you know, or something like this for spiritual enlightenment or with my wife or whatever other people may, you know, throw that out the window. Tell me about resistance and how this is a part of this battle to become dangerous. As a coach, the most insidious force that I come up against is resistance. And the form of resistance that I see most often is the, is the form that resides between our ears. It's this seductive voice. We don't even recognize that it is another entity, so to speak. It is just the truth. If I go do this, then this is what is going to, this terrible thing's going to happen. If I go down this road, this is going to be terribly uncomfortable. I'm going to be you know, I'm going to feel a certain way and I don't want to feel that way. If I do this, it is a, with a hundred percent certainty, I will lose my job and I will be on the street. If I do X, Y, Z, everybody is going to laugh at me and cast me out and reject me. We don't ever take a moment to say, that's just a voice. That's just one opinion. That is a protector between my ears that is trying to make sure I don't do anything that would be, have me be uncomfortable or unsafe or, you know, cast out in some way. But we can learn to challenge that voice and we can learn to just recognize like, thank you. Thanks a lot for looking out for me. Now I'm going to do the thing that what has me feel more expansive and more meaning in my life. I'm going to go do the things that are a little dangerous to this voice. But we first have to recognize and expect that voice to come along. Most of us are waiting for that voice to give us permission. You know what? I'm going to go find my life partner uh, once all the green lights are there and once I've got permission, and, you know, I've, all the once boxes I'm have been checked. ready. Once yes. I'm ready, I hear that all the time. I say it to myself, wait yeah. until I'm ready. Well, wait until never, I'm ready. Never... Wait until I'm uh, inspired. Wait until I'm, wait until I'm confident. I graduate from high school or if I accomplish <laughs> a certain raise at my job or I get financially secure or move to a different city. There's, they're all excuses, aren't they? Are they ready to rationalize uh, what's going it's on? fear. And it's fear, and fear will always find another thing to be afraid of. And what, when we listen to that voice and we become dominated by that, vo by that voice, our world gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. We're willing to do less. We're willing to engage fewer people. We're willing to go. We're not willing to go as deep with the people that are already within our lives. And so, like I said, we're back in that place where life feels confining and everything starts to seem dangerous to us. Uh, so we, if we understand that resistance is there, we can expect it. We can learn to challenge it and say, let's see. Let's see if it's so bad mm -hmm. if I were to have this conversation with this person. What, what would happen if I were to ask this question? Would it really be the worst thing in the world? I, I just like to, I, like, I want to orient my life personally to support me and have me feel more expansive and stronger as I go through it. And I understand that they're just going to be people that aren't on, on, on the same page. And I'm okay with that. But I'd rather not wait for them to give me permission. I'd rather not wait for the world to say, okay, Trip, come on in. The water's fine. I, I'm going to go lean into that and then start to see what welcomes me and says, yes, bring that. And there'll be others that are like, no, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. And that's okay. I don't, we don't need to be enemies or anything, but just understand that we're not aligned sure. in our values there. Sometimes it may be a more value, and I just part of what I teach sometimes 
maybe more value to take action and then have to ask for forgiveness for something rather than to not take action and to have regrets and be dissolved into numbness and this type of thing. It takes a process, doesn't trip to do this. I think it takes some action, not only the actions you spoke about, but you know, it takes a process. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about procedures or process or habits or rituals or anything that you do that helps to define and move things. You know, if I'm one of these people who feels stuck, what are some things that I can do to help take those bold actions? Well, let's just play with it. If we, if we think about these three big threats that we've been circling so far, the first one is I'm afraid to be uncomfortable. All right. Well, if we understand it, let's just consider that everything we ultimately want is on the other side of being a little bit uncomfortable. It's, it's on the other side of being, I'm not saying you got to throw yourself off a cliff or anything like that. It's just going to feel a little edgy. It's going to feel a little bit. And so I just invite people to say, hey, what would it mean to be a little bold here? And that would be that, that part to speak up and say, hey, you know what? I, I don't want to have XYZ for dinner. I want to have ABC. When somebody says, hey, where do you want to go for lunch? It's like, oh, do I really speak up and say what I want? These can, this is how minute these actions can be and how on a mundane level we are making ourselves smaller and smaller. So the first step to confront that, that fear of discomfort is to just be bold, find little ways to be bold. The second one is when we have convinced ourselves that there's some big, huge risks there, or, or maybe even not so little bit of risk, is to be playful. Is it really true that the most terrible thing would happen if I did anybody see, well, is there a way to make this a game? We usually don't have a problem taking risks when we're playing. That's, that's one of the beautiful parts about play is that we, we've, we feel like we've got a net. And I want to just offer, you've probably got a net. There's probably so many other things that would have to go terribly wrong for something for your life to be turned upside down if you did ABC. So be playful. See if you can find a way to be playful with this instead of, oh my God, this is the worst thing that could ever happen. And then the third part, that fear of looking bad, the, the way that we can confront that is, Get over yourself. Like really, everybody else is so fixated on themselves. They're probably not too worried about what you're, what you're doing. And it would help to just realize that you, maybe you don't have to take yourself so seriously. And I find that can be just liberating in and of itself to let go of our need to be so important or to have it all together. It, it, it invites that boldness and it invites that playfulness that I talked about earlier. I like the way you phrase it here, uh, live as if, as if there's nothing to prove and play for something bigger when you say get over yourself. And I just like the way you turn a phrase there because you can't really experience something bigger if we stay confined into our own head, our own world that we have. And, uh, and I believe just in terms of calling, in terms of purpose in life, that for most of us, we can accomplish something much bigger than what we have allowed ourselves to, to see. So Let's talk about that a little bit in terms of if we're going to have these dangerous breakthroughs for ourselves, uh, what is the driving force that continues to motivate us when we do run into those, those roadblocks that we're talking about there? They, they do happen. They can be sometimes significant. You know, people right now, many people are just facing this crazy virus situation and Black Lives Matter and other things. There are significant roadblocks there. Uh, for all of us. What keeps you going, man? What do you do? What keeps you going? I think it's a desire to live. Joseph Campbell talked about this. He said, and I, I put this quote in the book, which is most of us think that we're seeking a sense of meaning in our lives, but, and I'm paraphrasing here, but 
really we want the feeling of being alive, whatever that might mean. That, that might mean doing things that impact others on a positive level. It could just mean spending an afternoon with our loved ones, or it could mean being in our basement, creating something with our hands. It, I don't, it doesn't matter what it is, but there's an experience of being alive. Wow, I'm here and I am totally doing this. Most of us are working really hard to numb our experience. We've, we've designed our lives to numb ourselves from the things that are uncomfortable. And unfortunately, that also turns the knob down on what has us feel alive. So to come back to this sense, what if that, what if that aliveness became a North Star for us? I feel more alive when I am with my community. I feel more alive when I'm creating something. I feel more, most alive when I'm having these types of conversations versus those types of conversations. I feel most alive, whatever, fill the blank, fill in the blank. I, I find more and more that there's an excitement, there's a, there's a juice that comes in into play. There's a smile that naturally arises when we tap into that place. And it's like, yes, this is it. Hallelujah, right? It's our hands go up into the air. It's like, I am alive. And it's a beautiful force. And it's something that I, I'm not ready to be dead yet. And I don't want to be dead while I'm still walking the planet, right? So mm-hmm. I want to be fully alive. And I would say that, that is, that's, a, that's a huge motivator for me. I'm really aware of, of things that want to take my energy away or where I'm t- allowing that to be taken away. Interesting. When you talk about this type of thing, we're talking about here, trip about being, being dangerous and about this that force helps us feel alive. To me, it's interesting, at least, and I've been privileged to talk to some people who have been through some dangerous, truly dangerous situations. I'm talking about war. You talk, I, I was able to interview a gentleman in my church a few years ago who was a survivor of the Battle of Iwo Jima, World War II. And he talked about, uh, he was wounded several times and was pinned for 10 hours, pinned behind a Jeep. And but he also talked about that exhilarating experience and of being rescued by his buddies and getting off that island and how every year he and his buddies would have a reunion. And that's how he felt really alive. And if you think about it, a lot of people then coordinate or, or uh, have a sense of aliveness that comes out of some of the more dangerous things they've done. Going off to college could be one, or it could be uh, being on a sports team, you know, being on a sports team or being in, in a band where you perform or do something creative that people will often say, that's when I felt most alive. That's when I felt vigorous. And it might've been the most dangerous thing you've ever done. In my, in my case, uh, I was part of a group of people that helped smuggle Bibles into Russia when it was communist uh, some years ago. (laughs) And we got searched by guys with uh, collision caused machine guns. And that was pretty scary. But what, uh, I'm just in your life and give me an example or some of you've coached a lot of people about uh, how people then can take this alive as it comes from the dangerous, uh, kind of make it kind of a part of our everyday life, not just those extreme moments, but part of how we can kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, to uh, discipline ourselves or manufacture that or, or how we can get that there. Well, the first thing to recognize is we have these peak experiences, right? Yes. I mean, everything that you just described are, are experiences we will not forget. Right? right. So let's understand that to make that a daily thing, we're going to adapt. Our brain would adapt to that. It's not the event itself. It's the experience. So I want to just, I don't want to create an expectation that every day is going to be this, Oh my God, kind of thing. Cause there, that we can get into a place where we're state chasing. That is what draws people to certain professions is they're not going to sit behind a desk. They want to be jumping out of a plane 
or they want to be fighting a fire or they want to be going into dangerous situations. So it's good to understand what type of person we are and where that edge is. We may feel more alive just having conversations with people. I feel a sense of aliveness when I'm working with a client and it's, it's really apparent that they're lying to themselves and they're, they're, they're in their own story and they're BSing themselves on some level. And there's this point, it's like, I'm going to say something here. They may fire me. This may be the moment where they just say, I'm yeah. out. You can't say that to me. And, and, I, and I ask them a question and there's in that moment, my heart can be racing. And in those moments, and they'll, they'll look at me and they'll be like, oh my God, you're right. And I didn't want to see that about myself. And th- but that's one of the things, like, I didn't leave my room. There was no gun drawn at me. There was nothing, quote, physically dangerous that was going to happen. So I want to just lay that out there, that these opportunities for aliveness are all around us if we're willing to look for where that boundary is. What's the thing that I would love to ask this person, but I'm afraid to because I'm not really quite sure. It might, it might rock the boat a little bit. I think if we're coming from the right place, from a loving, curious place, most of the time people are wanting to hear that. But even if they're like, mind your own business, like, okay, I'll, I'm still okay. I'll be okay yeah. if, if, even if I get some pushback. Uh, yeah. but, but it opens the door and suddenly the world is full of doors instead of walls. And that's where it comes, this, this idea of settling is we start to realize, right. man, I have so many more doorways when I'm willing to be uncomfortable and willing to take risks and willing to rock the boat from time to time. Much bigger life. Like you got all those opportunities. Those opportunities come when you sometimes close a door or you have yourself the opportunity to have that, that door closed. Well, let me ask you this, Trip. If someone comes to you, either a client, just someone you have a relationship to, what are they going to learn out of this book? What are they, what's the takeaways? What are the key takeaways are going to take with them from this book will make you dangerous, the irreverent guide for people who refuse to settle. What are they going to take away is that they're going to apply? Because I'm the feedback that application. That, yeah, the feedback that I'm getting, I'd say a, a, a few things are standing out. First is they haven't realized that they're, what they are spending most of their time pursuing, which is some this conventional form of success. And I want to be really clear. I, I like having money and nice stuff. They're unaware that they've bought into an expectation that there is going to be a finish line. And so a lot of them are waiting to live their best life or they're waiting to do the thing that they really want to do because they're expecting some finish light, some green light to come along and say, you know what, you've become successful enough, whatever that means. Now you can go do what you really want. So they're, they're waking up to that idea as I, because I deconstruct this myth that we have in, our, in, our, in ourselves that there's some point where it's going to be okay to do that. And number two is, is a lot of them are pretty impacted by this idea that most of the time we're going through our lives protecting and pleasing and proving. We wake up every day and we're doing whatever we can to cover our butts, to kiss butt, and to make sure we don't look like a butt as we go through life. And that in and of itself is, has been a really impactful thing when they realize like, that's not what I want my life to be about. I don't want my life to be about just avoiding things. I want to be a creator. I want to be somebody that really lives and really leaves a mark. I want to close our conversation in the next few minutes with just a go just a little slightly different direction because everybody, you've got some great things to offer here in your book, and I think it's going to be helpful. Already and looking through it myself, I find some really helpful things to apply, and I'm really big in that. But also in your in your in your podcast, you've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of people, and I believe part of what I do is I research a lot of what I'm doing by talking and learning from other people. Here's what I'm interested in. What is, you, what is something you may have learned from somebody you've talked to, either in your podcast or otherwise, that really made an impact? It didn't even have to be a famous person or whatever, but someone who spoke into your life and made a difference. 
gosh, I've interviewed hundreds of people over the last 13 plus years. The things I would say the stuff that stands out is in this realm of resistance and learning to see that as a just as a voice in our head. A couple of things that Phil Stutz has said to me, Phil Stutz is a, uh, a coach and therapist out in Los Angeles. He's, a, he's been in, in my life. He's helped me with things, but I've also featured him quite heavily in this book. The thing that usually holds us back is we just take ourselves so seriously and we're convinced that we are so important, whether we want to believe it or not, even, even if we're not an arrogant person or a showboat person. And one of the other ways that we take ourselves seriously is to make ourselves small is because we think everybody's watching and we think that it really matters what we say or do. So one of the things that he, that he talks about is let go of any hope that you are going to be appreciated or admired or recognized for anything that you do today. Why does this matter? What, why would we, what, what, would, what would happen if we were to let go of any need to be appreciated or admired or recognized for what we do? Because most of us are only doing things because we think we're going to be admired or recognized or appreciated for what we do. We spend a lot of time wasting energy doing those things and then feeling disappointed because the world doesn't come along and deliver a trophy to us at, at the end of the day. What I find is when we let go of that expectation or that belief that I need to be admired and appreciated and recognized every day is that first off, we can start to say no to things that just don't serve us anymore. Our, our schedule gets a lot lighter. We got a lot more space in our lives when we realize maybe I don't need to be appreciated and recognized and, and admired at that level. I can go focus on what really matters now. And then number two, I think we become stronger as a result when we realize that we're not so dependent upon others to feel good about ourselves. That's great. That's great. Along the same line of people you've talked, you've had influence on you. You mentioned uh, Phil Stutz. What's a, what, what's a go-to book for you? You know, like a book that you may pull off the shelf or keep handy that helps inspire you, helps transform you, or just a reference point for you. You know, for, that, on, just uh, since we're on the topic of resistance, I think it's Stephen, Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art. Is, was really powerful. And then Stutz and Barry Michaels wrote a book called Coming Alive. And there's some tools in there about this resistance stuff. Sure. Again, I, I think if we can get a handle on the resistance piece, put fear in check, really understand this voice, then we start to see life, all the opportunities around us. But fear is what keeps us, yeah. can, has us convinced that the world is, is so much more dangerous than it actually is. And if you're going to be dangerous, you got to face your fears. You know, this book will, will make you dangerous. Are facing our fears, and and I love the, the love the part about speaking about resistance. As a matter of fact, I'm a big fan of Stephen Pressfield's work. And one of the things I do for my family, meaning my adult children and their significant others, is I on my birthday I give them something, and then okay. so my gift to them is all, almost always a book. And this year it's going to be Stephen Pressfield's "Do the Work," which is all about the resistance that we're talking about there. That's just okay. a side side note there. But uh, I know that uh, trip you are. Uh, your book is helpful to people, but you also have a coaching practice and you also have a, have a, a, a podcast. If folks want to learn more about your podcast or your website or your book or your coaching, anything else, uh, how can they make some contact? The book is available on whatever country you're in. You can find it on Amazon. That's the easiest way. If you want to learn more about the coaching work that I do, I work with clients all around the world via Zoom. Uh, you can go to triplinear.com and then the podcast has you know, massive amount of free resources there. And you can learn more about uh, that at the new man podcast.com or just search for the new man on any of your favorite podcast platforms. The name of the book is this book will make you dangerous. The irreverent guide for men who refused to settle. Our guest today is author trip Lanier. 
That was an awesome conversation with Trip Lanier. Spoken to my life, and I hope he spoke into yours as well. Let's talk about a couple of takeaway points that you're going to want to put down. Maybe take some notes on this. He talked about the small steps that you can do to make big changes. He has a toolkit on his website, uh, triplanier.com, which will help you do some of these steps as well. About how to develop clarity in the direction so you're not spinning your wheels anymore. Uh, how to kill busyness so that you can be more effective by doing less. And how to access your inner visionary and manage your day effectively so that you can do what needs to be done. Several key takeaways in our conversation with Trip Lanier here today that you're going to want to apply to your life to help you to navigate adverse conditions and to emerge to a better place. That's what we're here to do at Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller is to help you to maneuver and navigate adverse conditions in your life. We all have them. We all have had an event. We've all had a setback. We've all had a problem to deal with. It might have been a broken relationship. It might be a health issue. It might be a death in the family. It might be a business reversal. Whatever it is, you can get stuck if you don't have a plan. And that's what we're here to do, to help you provide a plan in your life and to get through these things, get through these adverse conditions and to merge to a place of peace, prosperity, and purpose. And go over to drbradmiller.com, find lots of back episodes of the podcast and a free gift for you there, which will help you to do just that. I believe it's all about making a promise to yourself to change, about making these small steps, whatever they are, on a daily basis. It's about taking action. I call it the ACTS plan, the ACTS plan. The A is for action, taking action. The C is to connect with a higher power, God, or some through meditation, or something that's higher than yourself. The T and the word ACTS is to think about discipline and to apply that to your life. And the S is to serve others and with love and to add value to other people. You can do that, and we can help you do that here at Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. We're here to be helpful to you. Make a promise and keep a promise because there's power in a promise kept. Until next time, friends, this is Dr. Brad Miller. I just want to encourage you to continue to do all the good that you can.